Welcome to Awake, the bugle call, Reveille. It's the U.S. Army's call to wake up, get ready to face the day, and to prepare for battle. God's clarion call is in Ephesians 5.14. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This call is to Christians who are spiritually asleep and therefore resemble the spiritually dead. The call is to wake up and receive light or revelation from God. The purpose and goal of Awake is to equip you to be an overcomer in the last days, the time immediately prior to the return of Jesus for his church. Ephesians 6, 16-17 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here is Bill Backaby with a faith lesson for you from the Word of God. Hello, I'm Bill Backaby. In the last episode, I spoke to you about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Actually, all the members are persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit give gifts to the Church or the Body of Christ. But the supernatural empowerment for believers comes through gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. For me, this is very exciting because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are where it's at for we who are Pentecostals. Today, I'm going to briefly touch on the gifts of the Father and the gifts of Jesus to the body of Christ. But our real goal is to unveil the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts from the Father. The gifts of the Father are delineated in Romans 12, verses 4 to 9. We sometimes refer to them as the motive gifts, as they describe the driving forces of our lives. Every believer will have at least one and probably several of these gifts. Let's look at scripture and then we'll briefly discuss the gifts. Romans 12, verses 4 to 9. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Verses 4, 5, and 6a tell us that we are components of the church or body of Christ and we all have a part to play, but we all play different parts or functions. In verse 6b, it mentions the gift of prophecy. Note that this is not the ministry gift of a prophet, 
nor the spiritual gift of prophecy. This is a motive to speak the truth in the context of God's truth or the word. It is a motive to speak the sometimes hurtful truth about a person's situation or actions rather than telling them some nice little platitude. Jesus was demonstrating this gift when he called the Pharisees and the Sadducees vipers and serpents. Verse 7 mentions two gifts, the gift of ministry and the gift of teaching. In this context, ministry means the gift of serving. It is not speaking of one of the fivefold ministry gifts. It simply means to do what is necessary to get the job done. It could mean washing dishes, cleaning bathrooms, or taking care of an elderly or invalid person. It means to love through service. Jesus demonstrated this gift when he washed the disciples' feet. The gift of teaching, again, is not speaking of one of the fivefold gifts, but the desire to convey our knowledge and skills to another person. An example would be a father teaching a son or a daughter how to catch a football pass, how to repair a defective electrical switch, or how to mow a lawn. Verse 8 mentions four gifts, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Exhortation is the ability to motivate a person to action or to move a person out of an attitude of defeat or depression, to give a person hope. This could be a person who just has to tell people how good Jesus is and has been to them. Similarly, it's like a coach's locker room speech to a team that has had a bad first half, and that speech turns the team around to win the victory. Giving. This is the desire to share your abundance with others, to alleviate their lack with your supply. This is the heart of Father God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is not merely giving gifts to our families and friends, but to spiritual and charitable organizations. For example, giving to the poor. Leadership. This is the ability to install a vision of a better world or a better environment into a group of people and get them to work in harmony to bring the vision to pass. Diligence is keeping on focused on the goal and striving toward it. Mercy is giving people what they need, not necessarily what they deserve. If I were to receive what I deserve, I'd be holding a one-way ticket, no return, to hell. Thank God he showed me mercy. When we look at others, we need to remember God's mercy to us and treat others the same way. Finally, verse 9 speaks of love and says, Let love be real and not phony. Understand love is an action. It is what you do, not just what you say. Feeding a hungry beggar is an act of love. Bandaging an 
injured unbeliever is an act of love. Love is an act, not a feeling. You can love someone you don't like. Jesus died for the unlovely. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Every believer will have one or more of, of these motive gifts. My driving force is to teach. I love to teach others how to do things. I also have the gifts of giving and mercy. My wife is motivated by the prophetic motive to speak the truth. Next, let's look at gifts from the, Jesus the Son. The gifts from Jesus are listed in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended into the lower is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave to some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These are sometimes referred to as the fivefold ministry gifts. They are gifts to the church, the body of Christ. But to individuals, they're not gifts, but callings. Their purpose is to strengthen the church and to help it grow and defeat the kingdom of Satan. You cannot ask for or obtain these gifts by coveting them. They're callings from Jesus. He decides who receives the callings. Consider Paul, the persecutor of the church, who was struck down and called by Jesus. Acts 9 verses 1 to 6. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and ashamed, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. As this passage shows, Jesus decides who gets called and who doesn't get called in the ministry. And as an aside, going back to the gifts of the Father and the gift of love, Saul, later known as Paul the Apostle, was thoroughly unlovable at the time of his calling. 
In a future episode, we'll discuss the fivefold ministry gifts in some detail. For now, let's move on to the supernatural, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. How important are the gifts of the Spirit? The Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit devote three chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians to the gifts of the Spirit. Chapters 12, 13, and 14. Chapter 12 outlines the gifts. Chapter 13, which most people mistakenly call the love chapter, sets forth the motives for operating in the gifts, concluding that love is the best motive, and chapter 14 explains the operation of spiritual gifts in a congregational setting. If the Holy Spirit devotes three chapters of the New Testament to a subject, you can rest assured that that subject, in this case spiritual gifts, is important. In fact, let's start by looking at 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. If the Holy Spirit doesn't want us ignorant, then that means that he wants us to be informed. Yet chapters 12 and 14 are some of the least preached and least understood chapters of the New Testament. Chapter 13 is preached often, but it is usually preached out of context, that it is usually preached as an exposition of love, which it is, rather than as an exhortation for operating in the spiritual gifts. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 and allow the Spirit to educate us. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 and 3. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. As we've discussed previously, Gentiles is a euphemism for unbelievers or heathen. The Holy Spirit says in verse 2 that we worshipped all sorts of stupid things before we came to Christ. Things like prominent persons, movie stars, sports heroes, fancy automobiles, palatial homes, luxurious clothing, money, dumb idols. Then in verse 3 he says no one can state that Jesus is Lord, that is the master of his or her life, except by the influence and leading of the Holy Spirit. Verses 4 to 6 refer to the three different sets of gifts as we started with in the beginning of this session. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse 4 is speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, and says that there are different kinds of gifts, but they all come from the same Holy Spirit. Verse 5 states that there are different ministry callings, but they all come from Jesus. 
Finally, verse 6 says there are different motives for Christian activities, but all the motives come from God the Father. After this preamble, the Holy Spirit brings us to a discussion of the gifts themselves. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Verse 7 says that the manifestation or the operation of the gifts is given to each Spirit-filled believer, that is, tongue-talking Holy Spirit-baptized believer, as discussed in the previous episode, for the benefit of whatever congregation is assembled there. Then, Verses 8 through 10 list nine gifts of the Spirit. These gifts are divided into three groups, revelation gifts, utterance gifts, and power gifts. The revelation gifts tell us something. They include the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. The utterance gifts include the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Finally, the power gifts include the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. We will discuss these gifts individually. First, understand that all these gifts are not skills or abilities that are prevalent among unbelievers, such as the healing arts that doctors, nurses, and health care workers have. The revelation gifts are not speaking of highly trained or educated persons, but of receiving supernatural insight from God. And the utterance gifts are not talking about persons who have linguistic ability, but of supernatural utterances. Also, these gifts frequently operate in conjunction with and in cooperation with other spiritual gifts. Let's start with the utterance gifts, beginning with the gift of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy means to speak for God. It is the gift of forthtelling, not foretelling. It is simply telling a group or an individual what God wants to say to them. It can be as simple as the statement, I love you with an everlasting love. Consider the impact that those simple gifts could have on a person who is defeated or discouraged, a person who may feel suicidal. Speaking those simple words could change their whole life. The gifts of tongues and interpretations work together as a pair. This is not referring to the ability to speak or understand foreign languages. The Bible calls them unknown tongues. They are supernatural. In verse 14.1, the Bible says, No man understands them, but they communicate with God. In 1 Corinthians 
14.4 and 5, the Spirit implies that tongues and interpretation together are the equivalent of the gift of prophecy. The gift of the word of knowledge is supernatural knowledge of something that happened in the past or present that the person exercising the gift could not naturally know. For example, you might speak to a person you just met and bring up the subject of the death of a child that you had no way of knowing about. Or you might mention God's ability to heal a disease that you were unaware of that is afflicting that person. This is knowledge that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Several times the Holy Spirit has guided me to avoid traffic jams on the highways. The word of wisdom is supernatural knowledge of a future event or of the mind of, that is, the purposes or intent of God in a particular situation. A dream that reveals the future is a word of wisdom. Words of knowledge and words of wisdom are often spoken through the gift of prophecy or through the gifts of tongues and interpretation. The gift of discerning of spirits is seen into the spiritual realm. It is not the discernment of spirits or of a person's motive, as some may say. It is seeing angels, seeing Jesus, or seeing demons. At the lowest level, it may indicate the spirit that's motivating another person, but this is not the major gift. But what many call the gift of discernment is simply a spirit of suspicion operating in you. I myself have never seen into the spirit realm, which, by the way, is very real, more real than the physical realm. The Bible teaches that the spiritual realm rules over the physical realm. However, I have known people who have seen angels standing beside me as I preach. One man frequently saw Jesus high and lifted up, sitting on a throne, with his train filling the temple, just as Isaiah saw him in Isaiah chapter 6. Looking at the power gifts, let's start with the working of miracles. A miracle is something that contravenes the laws of nature as we know them. It is most definitely not the things that we in our culture call miracles, miracle drugs, miracle fabrics, or the miracle of flight in an airplane. These are all applications of the knowledge of chemistry and the laws of physics. But Jesus turning water into wine was a miracle beyond the laws of chemistry. It was supernatural. Moses turning the Nile River to blood was supernatural, a miracle. Joshua causing the moon and the sun to stand still was a miracle. A 20th century missionary in Indonesia, Mel Torrey, witnessed the miracle of water becoming wine, and he also experienced the miracle of walking on water. Next are the gifts of healings. This is plural because some who are used in these gifts seem to specialize in certain diseases. For example, the evangelist, the deacon Philip in Acts 8, seemed to specialize in the healings of the lame and paralytics. 
I have laid hands on and prayed for many different kinds of illnesses and diseases. Some get healed and some don't, but I keep on praying for the afflicted. The last of the power gifts is the gift of faith. This is not saving faith, the faith that brings salvation to the unbeliever. All believers have saving faith. This is faith that brings forth miracles. For example, once when I was a relatively new believer, it started to rain at a church picnic. I was expecting the pastor to rebuke the rain, but he did not. So I raised my hand to heaven and said, I command the rain to cease in Jesus' name. And with a plip and a plop, the rain ceased and we enjoyed the picnic. I believe this was an operation of the gift of faith. God gave me special faith to speak to the rain. The raising of the dead involves all three of the power gifts, the gifts of healings to cure the sickness or disease that caused the death, the working of miracles to reverse the ravages that the affliction has done to the body, and finally the gift of supernatural faith to call the human spirit back into the body. Finally, verse 11 says that these gifts are under the control of the Holy Spirit who distributes them to believers as he wills or desires. This means that you are a candidate to be used by the Holy Spirit in any or all of these gifts at any time. Note that the gifts don't belong to you. It is the, as the Holy Spirit wills. But on the other hand, the Holy Spirit is very willing, perhaps even anxious, to manifest the gifts. Ordinarily, the Holy Spirit is not going to manifest his gifts in an atmosphere where he is not welcome. In other words, he's not normally going to prompt a believer to speak out in tongues in a congregation that doesn't believe that the gifts are for today. Verses 12 through 27 of 1 Corinthians 12 is a dissertation about the importance of each believer to the body of Christ, the church. It states that even though we have not dramatically visible roles, we are all important to the healthy functioning of the church. Lips and eyes can be very attractive, even beautiful. On the other hand, I'm pretty certain that stomachs, the interior organ, are not beautiful. But how could you live without your stomach? 1 Corinthians 12, verses 28 to 31. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. These verses speak about the distribution of the gifts, both the ministry gifts and the spiritual gifts. It states the obvious that is that every person does not have every gift. A word of caution, however. There are those who will point to verse 30 and say, See, it says everyone does not speak with tongues. 
Therefore, speaking in tongues is not for today's church. Wrong! What that doesn't reveal is that there are two different types or manifestations of tongue. This is revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which we'll discuss in the future. 1 Corinthians 12.30 is speaking of the public gifts of speaking in tongues in a church assembly. Only a few will be used this way in any particular assembly meeting. However, once again in chapter 14, it tells that there's a private gift of tongues. We call it a prayer language that God wants every spirit-filled believer to be able to manifest. It is a code language for communicating with God. 1 Corinthians 14.2 For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. This is what the Apostle Paul says about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul said that he prayed in tongues more than a whole church congregation did. Personally, I believe that this praying in tongues was the power behind Paul's successful ministry. Let's close this session by looking at two verses, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, and 1 Corinthians 14, 1. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Notice that both these verses tell us to pursue or go after the best of the spiritual gifts. Listen to this teaching again. Study the scripture verses, then pursue the spiritual gifts so that you can bring the supernatural help of God into the lives of those around you. Be a blessing. Show others the supernatural aspects of the love of God. Jesus asked in Luke 18, 8, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Friend, if you are not sure if you are saved, you can be sure. You can change or ensure your eternal destiny by repenting. That means turning toward God and declaring it with your mouth. Just pray along with me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified for my transgressions. He was buried, and God raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed this from your heart, your eternal destiny is in heaven. Awake is an outreach of Bill Backaby Ministries and the Word of Grace Church, a 501c3 organization. Again, our goal here at Awake is to help ensure that Jesus will find faith on the earth when he returns. 
Help us by telling your friends and relatives and neighbors, saved and unsaved, to join us on Awake.